Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to the last message in our series, What on Earth Am I Here For? If you would take out that note sheet that's in your worship folder there and and, uh, follow along, I would greatly appreciate it. For those of you who have, maybe this is your first Sunday and you're like, wow, this is the end of the series. I'm kind of bummed that I missed the rest of it. Well, I'm going to review really quickly um, what we've been talking about course, you can go online to northhillsbaptist.net. You can watch the past messages. You can like North Hills on Facebook. Those are also on there. We're streaming live when it's working, and it's working today so far, Roy says, so that's good. Um, They didn't access last week because we played a video that was copyrighted. That was good. Uh, We appreciate that from Facebook. Sometimes they do that to us. Um, And also, there's this book that Rick Warren wrote entitled um, what on earth am I here for? We have more left. If you, they're ten dollars. Uh, today's the last day that you can get those. We're going to ship back the rest that we did not sell. And uh, uh, Crossroads Covenant in Colorado is going to refund us uh, the the price for those, and uh, we appreciate their help in that. Uh, and also, those of you who have been in a Bible study uh, going through that, there's there's study guides left. And uh, there are also on the church website the, the teaching videos that we did over the course of the last six weeks that pertain to that as well, and you can watch those. So um, the Bible says that God created us for five purposes. He created us for five reasons, and they are essentially our callings in life. Well, a while back we talked about how they are, how they are our vocation, and how we unfortunately have watered down the term vocation to mean what we do, or our job, or our career, and we saw that it's way, way more than that. Uh, it's our reason for existence. And God says that there were there are five reasons, and we looked First, that the fact that we were created to be loved, that was the first purpose. Uh, the number one purpose of our life is to be loved by God. And, and I pray that you understand that, because until you do, until we enter into the experience of that being loved by God and recognizing that we were created for his pleasure, all of the rest of the purposes don't make sense. In fact, they would really serve to only confuse us. Um, but you, as a, as a child of God... You uh, were created to be his beloved. It's interesting, we were, as we're getting ready for this uh, vacation Bible school, we were talking about what our names mean. And uh, Caleb was looking up what my name means in Hebrew. And uh, actually, David means beloved. And, uh, and, and as you think about King David and what a screw-up he was, but, but, but the role that God gave him and, and the reason that he put him on this planet, you, you got to know that, that any, any one of us, we're all fallen, sinful human beings, that, that, that we, just like David, are, are God's beloved. He loves you. He loves you dearly. So that was purpose number one, created to be loved by God. Then the next week, we looked at how we were created to belong. You know, we haven't just been created to, to be loved, but to belong, to belong to his family. Um, we're not meant to go through life on our own. We're not meant to be a lone ranger. When we go through difficult things in life, we're not meant to do that solo. There are so many other people and parts to the body of Christ that, that we have been blessed with. So, so we were created to belong. Um, we were created to belong to the family of God, and we were created to belong to 
each other as the church, to be, to be unified, to, to be connected to one another. We were made, we were created for community. And we find meaning and purpose in life in relationships. Why do you think that just about every subject of every song and every movie has an aspect of love or, or relationship to it? Because that's the way we were created. It was an intention of, of a very relational God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that created us not because he needed us, but because he wanted us. We've been created to belong. We've been created to become, um, and this is the third one. We've, we were created to become. We were created to become like Christ. God has plans for you and for me. You see, God created you who he wants you to be. In fact, before the beginning of time, God knew you. <laughs> wow. That doesn't blow you away. I, nothing will, honestly. Uh, before the beginning of time, before God even created anything, he knew that you were going to be sitting in here today. I, wow. That is... Uh, it doesn't get any more powerful than that. And God has created us to become. Now, people in our culture will tell you, you can be whatever you want to be, right? Have you ever heard that? Have you ever heard anybody say that? Have you ever thought that yourself? Well, honestly, it's not true. Um, and here's why. I'm a perfect example of this. If I woke up tomorrow morning and said, I want to be a nuclear physicist, uh-uh, ain't going to happen. Why? Because I'm not wired that way. God didn't gift me in the, with the mind that it takes to be a nuclear physicist. It's impossible for me. I couldn't even fake it, right? You know, some of you in here may have aspired to be a, a, a professional athlete. And unless God gave you the talents and the gifts that you need to excel in that area, it's not going to happen. So here's what we need to do. We need to seek the Lord's wisdom in who he has created us to become. And when we figure that out and when we work at it uh, in a sense and, and how God has created us to be, then we can become comfortable with who we are and, and, and how God is using us in life. Um, we can become who God has made us to become. And when we, another consequence of that is joy in life. If, if you're just absolutely getting burned out in what you're doing in life and you're exhausted and you just can't seem to get any energy or find any traction in it, it's possible that you're trying to do something that God has not wired you for. You're not, as some would say, you're not um, living life in, in your wheelhouse. And, and you need to seek the Lord on what decisions you should make. What, what should you do? We've been created to be loved. We've been created to be come. We've been created to belong. Then two weeks ago, we looked at the fourth purpose in life, and that's created to bless, to bless others. You see, God didn't put us on this earth just to selfishly live for ourselves. I mean, where's the joy and purpose in life in that anyway? It's really empty. We see it every day. We see people who really have everything, all of the money, all of the fame, etc., just kind of lose their way and throw it all away. 
See, we've been called to bless, to serve others. Jesus himself didn't come to be served. The creator of the universe didn't come down here as a human being so that we might bow down before him and serve him. No, he said, I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve. And as we become like Christ, we live out the very example that he lived before us. You see, in, in, our, in, in our small groups, we talked about how we've all been given a shape. Uh, and, and that shape includes our spiritual gifts, our heart, our abilities, our personality, and our experience. We've been given a, a, a unique voice print. You've been given, uh, you know, a unique eye print, a hand print, a footprint, a heartbeat, and an emotional beat. And it's different than any other person on the planet. We are all unique. Now, some of us have, you know, doppelgangers out there, people that sort of look like us, but they're not us. They're not a copy of us, not even close. Human beings are like snowflakes. Have, do you know, has anybody ever really studied that? You've heard that, right? That not, no one snowflake is like the next. How many gazillion, billion, whatever number infinity snowflakes are out there is is it really possible or could there actually be a coincidence that two are the same and we just don't have those two to match up what do you think any any meteorologists out there uh what do you think i don't know if it's true i do know that there is no one like you on the planet out of six and a half billion and growing people you are unique Think about how creative God has to be in order to do that, right? To create not just six and a half billion, that's how many are alive today. People on the planet, different, wired differently. Uh, I, I just think that is absolutely amazing. We are created with our own different shape and we're created to bless, to use that shape to serve other people. Last week, Caleb helped us to look at unity. That, 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 that as a body of Christ, that we have been created to be unified. And we heard Brittany's story, and, and it was a powerful testimony how someone who, who seems to, to live a hopeless life can be influenced by a group of people, each having their own diff, different gifts and parts, uh, planting seeds in a person's life to where the gospel sprouts and grows and their life is completely changed. And we saw that in the life of the video, Brittany, as we watched it last week. That we are on a mission together. Uh, did anybody watch the original Avengers this week because of that clip that he showed last week? Or am I the only one? You guys did too? Awesome. You know, and, and that scene that, that Caleb showed was just a, actually a glimpse of where they sort of realized that we're, we're more together than we are apart as individuals and all throughout the previous part of that movie if you've never seen it they're all bickering and 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 trying to get a leg up on the other superhero etc and 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 they fail miserably but in the end when they come together and that's the way god has created the body of christ we're each given a different gift a different strength a different part try to live your life without a big toe how do you what do you think life would be like without a big toe has anybody in here ever experienced life without a big toe? So none of us would know, right? But big toes, they seem to sort of, you know, who even thinks about their big toe? Have you ever looked at it lately? Uh, I have ugly, ugly big toes. 
Um, my wife says my feet are like hands. I can pick stuff up with them. That's a gift that maybe some don't have here. Uh, oftentimes, we don't realize that we're, how important it is until it, we don't have it. You know, that could, be, that could be anything. It could be a pancreas or, uh, you know, or a sight in an eye or hearing. And, uh, and it's not until it's missing that as a body, our body's not functioning whole anymore. And the body of Christ is just the same way. Um, we we're created to be unified. Um, and that one you're going to have to, I don't remember if I gave one, two, three, four, five. That one, we'll just add one at the end when I get to, to the last one. So, so created to be unified, as Caleb talked about. And, and the fifth purpose um, that, that we're going to talk about today is that we were all created to be sent. So created to belong, created to be loved, created to become, created to bless, created to be unified, and then created to be sent. Right. So you'll have to add an extra one at the bottom because I only included five. The unity thing was sort of an add-on, and that probably messed a few of our small group leaders up this week. I apologize for not giving you a heads up that there was not going to be a video last week. Um, I'm sure you guys were good at winging it. Um, or, or maybe you missed a week like we did, and it just worked out anyway that, that we had a, a study. So, so here's, here's the thing, and it's the foundation of all of it, of course. You know, God says that we've all sinned. God says that, that, and he tells us that in his word. And we see it all around us, right? I mean, you look at the person sitting next to you or behind you or in front of you, and you know that, that that person is not perfect, that, that they've failed, that they've screwed up, that they've said things they shouldn't, they've, they've taken actions that they shouldn't, they, they've, been, they've been unloving or they've been unforgiving, um, all of those things. God says we've, we've all sinned, and, and God also says that our sins condemn us to hell because the only way that, that we can be in the presence of God is, is to be in the form of perfection. And, and when we screwed up thousands of years ago and have carried on that life of sin, it separates us from God. And, and the Bible says that it condemns us to hell. It's very clear in Scripture about this truth. I don't... There are people that try to argue away the existence of hell. And if, if we're true to God's word, it exists. God created it. And if we die apart from Jesus Christ, that's the eternity that we have to look forward to. And it's also true that your sin and my sin can't be erased by good deeds. There are people that will try to convince you that if you just live a good enough life, and that that should be the goal. If you want to get to heaven, you just got to be as good as you can. And really what it boils down to then is kind of a competition. Me being better than someone else, right? As long as I'm better than, than the last guy, then my hope of spending eternity with God increases, right? No, the Bible says that, that sin can't be erased by good deeds. But then, but then there's the reality and the good news of this. And that's that paying the price for our sin, Jesus came and he died. He took on the sin of the world. He didn't sweep it under the rug. He absorbed it in and onto himself. He died with it. He was the the only righteous sacrifice that could ever be sacrificed on our behalf. And then three days later, he did what? He rose from the dead. He conquered death. 
He has control and power over everything on the planet, including death and sin. And when we believe, the Bible says, Paul says it in Romans, when we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that what? Whoever believes will have everlasting life. Amen. And now here's the thing about that. If that's the only thing that God ever did for me, and that's the only thing in life I ever experienced, the rest of it is just terrible. I'm broke. I'm hungry. I don't have a family. I'm alone, humanly speaking. If, if me being in the family of God is it, that's enough. That's the most important thing. You know, Jesus, Jesus when, when, the, when the friends of the, of the, uh, of the cripple brought, uh, you know, remember they, the story, they, they, they dug a hole in the roof and they lowered him on a, on a mat before Jesus. What was the first thing Jesus did? He said, your sins are forgiven. See, it, it, it was the state of his soul that Jesus was first and foremost concerned about, not his health. And, and to me, this is great news. To know that God loved me so much that he did everything and the only thing that could do it. Jesus gave it all up. Heaven, he confined himself to a human body. Can't imagine what that was like. He was hungry. He was tempted. He didn't have a place to call home. He was rejected by his own family. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane crying out to God if there's any other way that this can happen. But then he said, your will, not mine. See, even Jesus knew it was all about the Father and not about him. He paid that price. And that is, I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't you agree that's good news? That that's an amazing gift? That, that there isn't any other gift on the planet? Give a man a million dollars and it doesn't even compare to salvation in Jesus Christ. But in our culture, in America, we are convinced that, that there are other greater or possibly more valuable things. And it's just not true. It's not true. Let's say that you came up with the cure for AIDS. Or you came up with a cure for cancer. Let's say one shot of this whatever, and it would cure any cancer from anyone immediately. No side effects, nothing. And let's say that you kept that to yourself. See, you didn't really want to share it with anybody. If you knew a person like that, what, what would you think? I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't we think that that person should be thrown in jail for being so selfish, right? I mean, and, and I don't want to be overly critical, but we have the greatest news ever to exist in the history of life. Should we keep that to ourselves? Absolutely not. 
We should take every opportunity we get. And here's the thing. God, God wants us to go. He wants you to go with that message. You see, life is not about accomplishments. It's not about achievements. It's not about acquisitions. It's not who dies with the most toys, right? Because he who dies with the most toys still dies. Can't take it with you. You see, it's, it's really about relationships, isn't it? Our relationship to God, your relationship to yourself, and your relationship to other people. You know, loving God with all of our heart and loving our neighbor as ourself. Jesus said that. He, he simplified our mission in life, didn't he? With those two things. In fact, he said, all the prophets are held up by these two things. All of the Ten Commandments fit into love God and love your neighbor as yourself. I could imagine some people get into heaven and God says, okay, let's go through the purposes I created for you. Let's just say. And he starts asking questions. Uh, let, let's go through the callings given to your life, he, he might say. Did you, did you let me love you? Oh, yeah, I got that one covered. Absolutely. Um, you, you, you were called to become. Yep, got that, did that. I was becoming. You're called to bless others. Yep, I served others. You're called to be sent and pass it on to others. Uh, oh, wait a minute. Hmm, not sure I did that one. You know, and, and maybe, you know, I'm, I don't know, God, what would his response to that be? What were you thinking? This is the best news ever. And you kept it to yourself? You, you didn't have conversations? Now, I do, I do want to point out that the... I think it was the chorus of that first song. Is there any way you can put that up, Roy? The first song that we sang, the chorus? Can you do that quickly? Because I don't want to just... Uh, nope, not that one. Try the next one. Try the chorus of the next song. Maybe it was that one. <sighs> nope. There was one in there. There was, a, there was a verse that talked about shame. You know, we talked a few weeks ago how God is not about shame. He, his intent isn't to shame. In fact, it says, the Bible says that Jesus is not ashamed to call you brother or sister. And, uh, yeah, I just forget it. Um, so, uh, we were created to be sent. Created to go. Now, look at Romans 10, 13 through 15 up here. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, Paul says. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless you are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. We have good news. Let's bring it. Let's go with it. Let's accept this call to be sent. And, and there's one way that I, there's a way that I think this works the best. And, and that's what the next five points in your notes, you're going, holy cow, there's five points. They're quick. Okay, if we did a poll this morning, let's, let's do this. How many of you, when you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, it wasn't alone in a room by yourself, just you and God, 
How many of you, it was with someone, a friend, a parent, a grandparent? How many of you? Raise your hand right now. Yeah, see that? Hands up all over. So there, there are those people that want to stand out on street corners with a bullhorn and yell at people and carry signs. I don't think that's really that effective. Um, it is a way to proclaim the good news of the gospel. But, but here's the thing. Um, I think a, a relationship is the best way, the best in you and I could ever have with anyone to have the opportunity to share the good news of the gospel with them. So look at Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. Uh, Jesus says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. You see, you and I, Jesus says, are the light of the world. It's a dark world out there, and we are a light in it. As the body of Jesus Christ, we all have an important role. We are all called, as Scripture says, to be evangelists. But we've been convinced that this word evangelism is only one for the professionals and paid people. And it really kind of scares us to think of doing evangelism. But really, what we need to do, what we need to be, is a friend. A friend. Uh, uh, to be a, a friend with someone. And I have five suggestions for that this morning. Number one, the first one, uh, is to take the first step. You, as a child, as an adult, as a student, whatever age you are, take the first step. Now, it can happen, but seldom do we have friends who just, or, or acquaintances who just walk up out of nowhere and say, hey, you know, I've been wondering about this relationship with Jesus Christ. Can you tell me about it? Have you ever had that experience? It happens, but I think it seldom happens. Um, this is true of, of our guests on Sunday mornings. You know, when somebody comes to, the, comes to church for the first time, for a lot of people, it, it, it takes all they have to walk in the doors of a church. Maybe that's because of past experience or just they have this idea of what it's going to be like and it freaks them out. And they're not going to come on a Sunday morning and say, well, I'm just going to try and meet as many people as I can. That's not what they're thinking. And it's up to us to take that first step and say, hey, how are you doing? I'm David. It's good to see you here. Welcome. So we take the first step whether it's an invitation to an event or to Sunday morning service, or just to go out to Denver and dinner and to get to know somebody better. We take the first step. Luke 6, 31. Jesus says to do to others as you would have them do to you. How would you like to be treated on a daily basis? That's how we treat people, and we take the first step. I mean, I want to be treated with dignity and care and respect and honor. And Jesus says, if that's how you want to be treated, you need to treat other people that way. And as we do, it really will begin to make a big impact on people's lives. You see, because there's a big shortage of that in our culture today. People aren't respectful. People don't really care for other people or about other people. They're honestly, it doesn't take... 
30 seconds on Facebook to realize this, does it? Um, it, it, it becomes a lot of self-promotion and, and, and about me and, and sort of the shock and awe that I can have. And, and the, the, the words get harsher and harsher and harsher because our ears get dulled more and more and more and in order to get a rise out of people, we do terrible things or people can do terrible things. You know, Jesus... Acts 1.8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Some people wonder, well, where, where should I do this? Where am I sent to? Well, Jesus pretty much explains it right there to his disciples. He says, first of all, it's Jerusalem. It's the place that you're in right now. It's those in your family, those that you work with, etc., those in your local community. And then he, he expands that a little bit when he says in Judea and Samaria, and he includes the Gentiles in that statement, by the way. It's not just about the Jews. It's Judea and Samaria. Where is your, it's impact your county, it's impact your region, your country. And, and then he says to the ends of the earth, which is overseas. You know, power, strength, and courage, he says, is available to us through the Holy Spirit. And he expects us to go because he says, you will be. He has sent us. Maybe you're here and you're wondering, where is that going to be? He'll answer that. Right now, where you're at right now, it's right here. You know, for some of you, you are in Judea and Samaria because you're not from around here. You're here from another state. And, and right now, your Samaria and your Judea is all the kids that are come to Haven on the Rock. Maybe in, in the midst of this summer, God's going to impress upon you that there's a people group somewhere in another country that, that needs a witness for him. We have missionaries in the UK. We have missionaries that have been within miles of terrorist attacks already this year. And we pray for them, but they, but they know that God has put them there for a reason. And you know what Paul says, to, to die is gain, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's more important to, for them to be in the midst of the will of God. So, uh, we need to go. We need to take that first step. The second thing we need to do is, as we build relationships with people in order to witness the, the, uh, to the, to be a witness of the gospel to them, is to be real. Be real. Just be you. Don't be something you're not. Don't expect to be something that you're not. Just be you. Be honest and transparent with other people about who you are and the struggles that you have in life. Don't try to be something that you're not. If you wrestle with the sovereignty of God and it's in your conversation, then let them know that you're wrestling with this. You know, God has big shoulders. He's powerful. We can be honest about ourselves with other people in, in the hopes that they are honest with us. 2 Corinthians 1.12, Paul says, Now this is our boast. Our conscience testifies that we have conducted ourselves in the world and especially in our relations with you with integrity and godly sincerity. We have done so relying not on worldly wisdom but on God's grace. Be men and women of integrity and sincerity. Let your yes be yes, your no be no, 
be trustworthy. If you promise to do something, fulfill it. But honestly, being fake and putting up this facade, it, it, it's just not real, and people are going to see right through it. And we live under the grace of God. Don't use the world's wisdom, because the world just only thinks of itself. It just does. It's going to lead you down that road every time. If you're sad and you're discouraged, let those with whom you're building relationships with know. Sometimes people get this idea that Christians, wow, well, they just, they're self-righteous. They don't seem to have any problems. Well, that is so far from the truth. We've got to be real. Jesus was real. John eleven thirty five. 35, it says Jesus wept right there before all of the people. Jesus let them know that, that it was a week, that, that he was, his heart was broken for this friend of his. Don't be strong because you think that's going to be some sort of example to people. Be you. Be you. Matthew 26, 38. Then he, Jesus, said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Can you imagine hearing that from Jesus? Whoa, wait a minute. And he says to his disciples, Stay here and keep watch with me. It doesn't get any more real than that. Be real. Number three, discover what you have in common. When you go to an event, a family reunion, a party, a church carry-in, I mean, really, any gathering of different people, what do you notice? What do you do as a person, and what do you notice other people do? They gravitate to crowds of people that, number one, they're familiar with, and that they have like like they have things in common with, right? I mean, if you're in a big crowd and, and you're really passionate about, oh, I don't know, um, what fishing, and you hear somebody, you know, just a ways away talk about the big one that they just caught last week, what are you going to do? I know what every fisherman is going to do. They're going to think, I got a bigger fish story than that. I'm going to go over here and I'm going to tell it to them, Right? We gravitate towards people we have things in common with. So when you are seeking to build a relationship with someone in order to, uh, to love them and care for them and share the gospel with them, find something that you have in common with them and begin to build into the relationship with that. Talk about things that you both like to do. Maybe do one of those things. Like, yeah, like go fishing. Or golfing, or, or whatever it is. I mean, I don't know, you know, cook together. Go to lunch. I mean, everybody has eating in common, right? That's an easy one. Hey, let's go to lunch together. Now, if you invite somebody to lunch, what should you probably do? Pay for their lunch, right? Right? Especially if you invite them. Now, that, now every, yeah, Tom's like, well, not weekly. Well, you know, maybe God has provided something extra for you, and you could do that. I mean, it's, it's a way, uh, something in common. Uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9.22, To the weak I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. Paul was being real. He's like, I'm weak in areas. And, and he shared that with people. 
In John 4, 7, we see when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? This is like crazy, right? First of all, there's a male Jew talking to a woman Samaritan. Whoa. Are you kidding me? I mean, the, the woman was even like, whoa, what, what, you're, you're talking to me. Why? This isn't right. But what did Jesus do? They were both where? At a water well. So what did Jesus do? He engaged with her in something that they both had in common in that moment. Water. And see what happened? The conversation went on and it progressed. And, and the gospel was, was proclaimed. It might be awkward at first, which it was for Jesus and the woman at the well. But that, uh, that didn't stop him. So as we seek to build relationships with people and we hope to share the good news of the gospel with them, we're going to number four. The fourth thing that we can do is we can demonstrate God's love. Demonstrate God's love. This fits with, with our purpose to bless. Matthew 5.16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We're given opportunities every day to demonstrate God's love, aren't we? In our marriages, in our families, in our workplaces, with those we, we see every day, with the, the parts guy behind the counter, with the repairman that comes to your house, the waiter or the waitress who serves you breakfast or lunch or supper, your child's teacher, your child's coach, someone that's broken down on the side of the road, a neighbor who needs help fixing a toilet or a sprinkler, a single mom that could use a night off. The ways in which we can really demonstrate the love of God are in the millions. We just got to take that first step. And as a reminder, we don't, we don't do these things because we hope to get something from them. We're not self-promoting ourselves. Um, we do this because we hope to share the good news of the gospel with people and to just share life with them and to love them. So take the first step, be real, discover that we, what we have in common with others, demonstrate the love of God, and then the fifth and final way we can build relationships with others is to expect God to use me. Expect God to use you. And this is something I think we all need to be better at because we all find excuses and reasons why we don't have anything good to say. We, that person really wouldn't care to hear from us or, or they won't respond like we hope they will and they may not. But unfortunately, we're, we're, listening, to, we're listening to the message from the pit of hell because Satan doesn't want us to love people or, or present to them the life, eternity, changing news of the gospel to them or to help them feel better about themselves or loved or cared for or supported in any way his aim is for is to to steal kill and destroy that's his mission and and as we try to accomplish and and uh, obey God in being sent to others we need to expect that God is going to use us and and here is the good thing about that because all of us Think to ourselves, well, what if I don't know what to say? I'm afraid to even mention something because they might ask a question that I don't have the answer to. Let me tell you, lots of people ask me questions that I don't have the answer to. And the shameful thing would be if I just sort of made something up to make myself look good. We can't do that. We got to be honest and say, you know what? I don't get it either. 
I don't get it. There's lots of things when it comes to the sovereignty of God, really, that I don't get. But I trust him in what he's told me and what I am sure of. And I continue on. Matthew 10, 19, and 20. Write this down. It actually would be a great verse to memorize, though I don't think it's the memory verse that I gave you today. But when they arrest you, it's kind of interesting, isn't it? Do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. And this happens a lot. When we're in conversations, have you ever even thought this yourself? I don't even know where that came from. It was just the right thing that this person needed to say. I could tell you where it came from. The Holy Spirit in you. And we can trust that. Look, we may say the wrong thing. We may say a stupid thing. But again, the power of God is, I mean, just be available. You know, one of the things that we, we, we saw in our Bible study last week was that a lot of people talk about um, the steps of Jesus and how he went through the, the, the areas and all of that. But, but more important than the steps of Jesus were the stops of Jesus. Those times where it seemed like people were interrupting him, but he seized the moment and made himself available even in the midst of that time and ministered to people. That, and I was tested in this this week, and I blew it. Um, in fact, Sarah and I were having a conversation yesterday in the car on the way home from the greenhouse, and I said, you know what? And, and of course, it always happens after the fact, right? It's like I'm given this test, and I have an opportunity to engage in a stop and do what I'm teaching about this morning, and all I wanted to do was crawl in a hole and, and just not be a part of the conversation, and, and I blew it. There, how's that for transparent? But I want to pass it. I, I want to see the next one, and I want to seize it. And, and when I'm experiencing and I'm convinced of this eternal change that God is doing in me, it's something that I want to share with people, and I want to take every opportunity that I get to share them. So we need to expect God to use us. Now, there's a, 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 a Chinese, uh, some imprisoned Chinese Christians tell this story as the worship team comes up. This is what he said. I was attending a training course for my house church network's council members and youth leaders. The Public Security Bureau, the PSB, raided us the first day, and all of the leaders were arrested. The prison authorities shaved our heads and interrogated us. We were warned that the hardened inmates would beat us. So with much trepidation, another brother and I entered our cell with all of these other very mean inmates. We were greeted by the sight of 16 other inmates lined up in two rows and thumping their fists. My heart beat rapidly as I sent prayers up to God. The leader of the gang asked, why are you here? And I replied, because we are Christians. You don't beat people up? No, I assured him. Do you sing? Yes, I answered. The leader ordered me to sing a song. I wept as I sang. The Holy Spirit moved in our midst. And by the time I finished singing, every prisoner was also in tears. 
To my shock, the gang leader then asked to hear the gospel. After that, my cellmates hungered to hear the gospel every day. One Sunday, we held a worship service. The prison guard demanded to know who was behind it. He threatened to... It's like Paul, right? I mean, he threatened to punish everyone if no one spoke up. I stood up and I confessed. I was forced to remove my clothes and stand at an inclined angle to the wall. The gang leader could bear it any, couldn't bear it anymore. He asked to be punished with me, and the other vol- others volunteered to do the same. The infuriated guard stormed out. I was moved by my cellmate's act. One of them, who had been there for three years, became a believer that day. I tell that story because we have great news. And sometimes it takes that first step. For them, I guess, it was being faithful in teaching leaders in China where it's illegal to do that and they can be arrested and thrown in jail for it. And then in jail, they didn't sort of, sort of cocoon themselves into some sort of attempt at self-preservation. They told the truth. This is why we're here. And the Holy Spirit entered in and completely changed that situation. I mean, what a movement of God, right? Expect that when you have conversations with people that God is going to use you in the life of someone else to change their life. We should expect it. No matter how many failings you have or I have. It's relationships, right? The purposes of God. In 1 Corinthians, chapter 11, Paul quoting Jesus, says, and well, before Paul quotes Jesus, he says, For I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and we had get, when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this cup, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And that's what we do this morning. We proclaim the death of the Lord, and we are going to do this on a faithful and regular basis until he shows up.